Right, good morning. Are we all all right? Yeah, how, how, on, a, on a scale of one to ten, one being Scrooge, ten being Will Ferrell in Elf, how Christmassy is everyone feeling? Like, put your hand up if you're like a three and below. Yeah, you see, see, I'm, I've got to be honest, I'm there. Who's kind of like a four to six, like, just relatively looking forward to it? And who's like super like seven plus, like, I cannot wait? Oh, wow. Amazing. Do you know what? I actually wasn't expecting that, but that's cool. So, I, so who's like a full-on 10? Who's like, oh, really? Holly, yeah, I know Holly's a 10. I think, um, I think for me, Christmas is, as I've got a bit older, I've kind of like, you know, lost a little bit of my kind of Christmas-like spirit a little bit. I'm still... I've got to go to work tomorrow still, so I've not, I've not finished yet, and I've not finished my Christmas shopping. Like, don't boo at me, but I, I haven't even put my Christmas tree up yet. I know. I said don't boo. Um, so I, I'm kind of like, I've kind of found as I've got older, my Christmas list has got a bit smaller, but the stuff that's actually on my list you can't buy anyway. So it's like... Um, I, I kind of look back at the, my time as a kid and go, oh, I wish I was that excited about Christmas like, like when I was like a little baby or maybe a little like toddler or even when I was like a little teenager, I was still excited about Christmas. I was still excited about the prospect of getting presents. I was still excited about the prospect of eating lots of food. I'm not even excited about the food. I don't even know what's wrong with me this year. I'm not. I know. It's probably because I know I'm cooking it. And I know what's going into it, so I'm not going to be eating it. Um, but I just, uh, yeah, I, I kind of just feel like as I've got older, like even uh, like Nativity, the kids stuff that we've just seen, like I weirdly, one of the things that I miss from being in primary school is being in the Nativity. And, uh, and even that kind of like sense of like the Father Christmas coming, like that's kind of like a magical time as a kid, isn't it? To think, oh, like, you know, is Santa coming? And I was, in the, I was in the supermarket a couple of weeks ago, and I heard one of uh, a parent use the classic line, uh, you better behave or you'll be on Father Christmas naughty list and you won't get any presents. Just the nice casual lie we tell our children <laughs> at this time of year that if they're naughty, it's like the two months we can use it as blackmail. I say we, I haven't got kids, but... Uh, you know, you parents use it to blackmail your kids to behave. Um, and I'm all for it, I'm totally honest. Um, but then I even miss, like, you know, I think as, as I got older, my mum, like, put less and less effort into my stocking. I think my last stocking I got, I was probably 12, and it was just a black bag full of chocolate oranges, because she knows I like chocolate oranges. And then the occasional real orange, because she, wanted, she didn't want to be a bad mum and just give me full-on chocolate. Um, and, and that was it. And the, but I miss being in a nativity. I miss, uh, you know, dressing up. I, I, was, I think I've told this story before, but my first ever nativity when I was at nursery, I was the, the innkeeper that was supposed to say yes. Uh, and I was supposed to say, yes, I, we haven't got any room at the inn, but I've got this lovely little stable that you can, you're more than happy to set up shopping. And apparently I was like, no, you're not coming in. I've got nothing. Go down the road. And my mum and dad kind of like just shrinking in their chairs at the back going, he's not my son. Um, 
but even, I even missed that. And, and I think it's really cool to hear that we're doing a half-decent job in Epic uh, teaching kids what, uh, what Christmas is really about. Um, but I read a survey recently about, uh, about like, the, the, the characters of the nativity. And the survey, it was an American one, so you have to obviously take it with a pinch of salt. Um, but, uh, sorry, I had to look at Emily when I said that, just so she knew I, was, I wasn't actually being serious. Um, it's a, and and it, was the, it was a survey based on, out of the characters in the nativity, which of the ones do you identify with most? So do you identify with, like, with Mary or Joseph, with maybe the kings, with maybe the innkeeper or the shepherds? And I'm not going to make you like, answer it, but what, what would be your answer? Like, not in terms of who you'd want to be, but in terms of who would you identify with most? Because sometimes we can just take this story of the nativity and just, and just take it as a bit of a fable or take it as a bit of a, you know, something, a story that's just part of who we are without actually giving it a lot of thought. Uh, so this morning, I just want to, uh, the answer, my answer to that question, by the way, is the shepherds. Uh, I actually think we can learn a lot for the shepherds. I don't want to spend 20 minutes this morning trying to convince you that the shepherds are the real deal in the Christmas story and the reason why I think we can learn a lot from them. Um, but as we kind of like look in, into the nativity story, um, I think all of us are pretty comfortable with it. And this idea of being a shepherd, I think everyone knows what a shepherd is. I think before Jesus' time, it was, it was seen as a bit of a noble profession. Like Abraham was a shepherd, David was a shepherd. There was lots of people that it was seen as, you know, and God is referred to as a shepherd and we, we the sheep. Um, but I think by the time it, it gets to when Jesus is born, you know, being a shepherd is not actually quite as kind of noble as, as, as a profession as you'd think it would be. Um, they were often quite isolated and forgotten because they needed to move their flocks around, so they had no real home. They were often out on their own or with uh, groups of people. Um, so they had no kind of family as such or had no kind of like group of mates that they would hang out with. So they were often isolated on their own. They were all considered quite unclean. So if one was stood on this stage now, he'd probably be a big lad, he'd probably be unshaven. Um, some of you know where I'm going with this pretty quick. Um, he was rude. Uh, they would be kind of like not the best socially, so they'd probably be a bit awkward around people. Um, and so much so that at that time they weren't necessarily allowed to go and worship in, in religious services because they, weren't, they were seen as unclean. So they were unclean, they were isolated, forgotten. They also weren't that trusted because they were, some of them were a bit, you know, you know, they, they like to kind of nick something or uh, take stuff that wasn't theirs. And they're also no, known as being quite brash and quite bold. So they used to say what they thought. They might make the odd rude joke. I know I'm kind of generalizing quite, uh, quite a lot here. But I just want to give you an idea that these, these shepherds aren't necessarily what we see on a nativity story. Like wrapped in a nice little, your mum's uh, tea towel. Uh, with nice little fluffy sheep following them. These guys are fighters. They, these guys are quite rough. They, they sleep rough. They fight animals. Uh, you know, they're not the best socially. They've got quite, they're quite isolated and they're quite forgotten about. But, as we'll find out, 
That's who God chose to announce the birth of his son to. So Grace is just going to jump up. If you've got your Bibles, please turn to Luke chapter 2. We're going to read from verse 8. And so you don't have to listen to me all the time. Grace is just going to read it to us. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed and what the she- were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So the announcement of, uh, of Jesus was given to some shepherds. You know, this is an announcement that the Jews have been waiting a long time for. And when it finally arrived, who did God decide to announce it to? Some scholars, the rabbis, some people in authority. No, some guys out in the field minding their, their, their sheep who, weren't, who were on the edge of society. And that's who God decided to, uh, to announce the birth of Jesus to. So I think there's a lot we can learn from the shepherds. So I just want to quickly try and convince you that I think the shepherds are the best uh, apart from Jesus, I'll be totally honest, like Jesus is the best character in the nativity. Um, but the reason why I think we can learn a lot from shepherds, because I, I uh, identify a lot with the shepherds. And I think we as a church can identify a lot uh, from the shepherds. So to make it easy, I've got five points this morning, and the five points all begin with the letter A, just to make it super easy. Um, I don't normally do this, and I'm impressed with myself that I managed to do this. Um, some, of the, some of the words aren't even that ropey because you normally when a preacher goes, oh, I've got five A's for you and then like one A's like, I can't even think of a weird word beginning with A, but like you just try and squeeze it in. All these are legit good A's. Um, so the first one uh, is attentive. So if you look at verse 8, and shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And that's a verse that we can very easily just kind of pass by. But these guys were given a job to do and they were doing it they were committed to their job and being a shepherd is not just a nine to five kind of monday to friday kind of job it is a 24 7 lifestyle type of a job and do you notice how god appeared to the people to god appeared to the shepherds who were attentive at their work they were doing what god had given them to do they weren't slackers but they worked hard 
And likewise, one of the things that I love about the new uh, guiding principles that Dan presented to the church is one of them is excellence. And I think, I think the shepherds demonstrated excellence brilliantly. You know, in Colossians 3, it says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. And I think this, this part of the, the passage, I realize God met the shepherds where they were at. And because they were working hard, because they were doing what God had given them to do, um, God met them and God spoke to them. And they didn't have to clean themselves up. They didn't have to make themselves ready to hear from God. God just met them exactly where they were, out in their fields, doing the job that God had given them to do. So that's my first A. The shepherds were attentive. Um, my second, so that's the first A. My second A is they were in awe. Verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. So these were tough guys. These were shepherds who were used to fighting. They were shepherds that were used to sleeping rough, keeping the predators off their, their flocks. But it says here that as soon as this one angel of the Lord appeared to them, they were scared. Now, I kind of realized that I've always thought of the word awe in possibly in the wrong way, or maybe just as one dimension of the word awe. Because when I uh, looked at the dic dictionary definition of the word awe, it says this, an overwhelming feeling of reverence, admiration, or fear, produced by, by that which is grand, sublime, extremely powerful, or the like. Now, I think my understanding of the word awe was more around the admiration. You've kind of like, you experience something totally amazing. So it might be as a kid and you run down for the first time and you see the presents under the Christmas tree. Or it might be the first time, you know, you see like Tiger Woods play golf. Or like, many of you are sat there now in awe at me speaking. <laughs> or not. Um, but I didn't, I didn't realize that, that fear could produce awe. You know, these, these are shepherds that have seen this angel. This angel had appeared to them, and it's brought them to their knees. And they're fighting guys. They're tough guys. They probably don't get scared by a lot of things. Yet this angel appeared to them. And I don't know what those shepherds might have been feeling. They thought, oh, hang on. Like, this is our judgment. Like, everything that we've done in the past has kind of caught up with us, and this angel's going to, uh, you know, he's going to kill us, or he's going to set us straight, or he's going to have a pop at us. You know, they don't know what, we don't know what they were thinking when they saw um, this angel for the first time. But whatever, whatever their reason was, you know, their reaction was they, they just stood there in awe. And I think it would take a lot for those group of guys to sit there or stand there in awe of something because I don't think that they're the kind of people that would sit there and be that scared of anything. So they were attentive in what they were doing they were in awe of what they'd seen. And the third one is they accepted. So verses 10 to 15, uh, just to paraphrase it, you know, the angel appears and just say, don't be afraid, I bring good news, good news for all men that will bring joy to all men. And then they gave, the angel gave, gave the shepherds some specifics about where Jesus will be. Um, he'll be wrapped in, a, in cloth lying in a manger. This will be a sign for you. And then as the angel had finished giving these specifics, this kind of big group, this choir of angels appeared, praising God. Um, and then once 
the, uh, the angels had left, the shepherds kind of looked at each other and went, okay. Verse 15, it says, they said, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now, I know this, this Bible has been translated thousands of times, but even I think that's a little bit of a simple sentence. Like, let's go to Bethlehem to see this thing that has happened um, and which the Lord has told us about. So they, at this point, they were still fearful. They were still didn't quite understand what was going on. But the angel tries to calm them down by saying, this is a message of great joy. This is a message that's going to bring you hope. And not just to you, but to all the nations. And it's that message of joy, and it's that message of hope, and it's that message of peace that is still relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. And again, if I'd have been there and I was chatting to one angel and then suddenly a whole big choir ascended praising and uh, giving glory to God, that might have sent me over the edge. I don't know quite what I would have thought. You know, let's think about the actual, you know, specifics of what that would be. You were a group of people out in the dark on a field looking after some sheep. One angel appears to you then all of a sudden you have this host of angels. So these, now these attentive angels that were filled with awe now accept the message of good news. They accept the message of joy and hope and peace that the angel bring to the, has brought to them. So the fourth point is that they acted. So they were attentive, they were in awe, they accepted and then they acted. Luke uh, 2.16 says, So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Like they, they left in a hurry. He doesn't even really say what happened to the sheep. You know, some, some kind of like Bible commentaries say that the, the shepherds were probably ironically looking after the sheep that was going to be taken to, sacrifice, to be sacrificed in the temples. Um, and they've been brought this message about the Lamb of God being born and they leave the sheep. I certainly don't think that they took a couple of them with them like we see in the nativity scene, like a couple of two-year-olds that can't speak but will just put a bit of cotton wool around them. Um, you know, I don't, think they just, I don't think they took their favorite two sheep with them to meet, to meet Jesus. I think they left them in the, uh, I think they left them in the field. But the Bible's pretty clear that acceptance must lead to action. You know, in James 2, it says, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. And I think the shepherds knew that. They could have doubted. They could have delayed. They could have decided, oh, we'll see whether we're, what we all think in the morning, and then we'll make a decision then. But they didn't. They decided to act, and they moved. The cool thing about what the shepherds did in their action is that they first they went and saw, and then the Bible's pretty clear. They didn't go and like give Jesus a hug. They didn't do the kind of like, oh, like can I hold him for you know a couple of minutes and and go. They literally went. They saw Jesus, and then they left and they shared. So they went and saw, left and shared. And verse seventeen says, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning. 
what they've been told about this child. Verse 18, and then all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. I think, again, we can learn a lot from these shepherds. You know, they were attentive in what they were doing. When God appeared to them and God spoke to them, they were in awe of God. They accepted the message that God brought them and then they acted upon it. And maybe there's some, some of us in here that are still in the kind of accepted phase but haven't stood up and haven't actually put anything into action yet. It isn't just enough to say, I have faith. You know, that story that the shepherds, the angels appearing to the shepherds is a cool story in itself. You know, I'd imagine them telling their, their shepherding mates about this time that they, the angel and a whole host of angels started praising God in front of them. That would have been a cool story. And if they had just done that and finished there, I don't think anyone could have blamed them. But they heard and believed what God had called them to do. And they acted upon that. And the fifth A is adored. Verse 20 says, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they, just as they had been told. And I think this is really cool about the shepherds. They just went back to their jobs. They just returned. You know, they didn't write a book. They didn't go on tour, talking about their experience. They went back to their jobs, but they weren't the same. You know, their souls had changed. There was a new power in their life. And I think in, in the stories in the Bible, the clearest sign of a, a, a true conversion taking place is worship. They, they were compelled. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God. And I think in this period at Christmas, a little bit like me, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the rest over Christmas. I'm looking forward to uh, you know, spending time with my family. But on the 2nd of January, I'll be back in the same routine again. I'll be back doing the same thing um, that, I've, that I do all year. But we have an opportunity at Christmas not to miss the point of Christmas. You know, are we, are we coming to Christmas because it's just a nice time of season, a nice time of the year, and, you know, it's nice to spend time with family, it's nice to exchange from presents, it's nice to not go into work or college or school. But actually, are we... Are we going to be in awe of what God has done for us? Are we going to listen to what he's saying to us? Are we going to act based on what he says to us? And if we are, our only reaction is to praise him. Our only reaction is to worship him. So those are my five A's. Attentive, awe, accepted, acted, and adored. The shepherds were attentive in their, their job, and God came and met them where they were. They were in awe and they were overwhelmed in God's presence. They accepted the message of joy and hope and they acted by going to find Jesus and then sharing that good news. And finally, they adored and worshipped because of what they were told was true. So I think there's a lot we can learn from the shepherds. You know, that's why I identify myself a lot with the shepherds because... There's 
periods and there's times in my life where I need to remind myself of that five-step process. We need to be attentive in what God gives us to do. We need to find time to be in awe, to stand in God's presence, to let God speak and communicate to us. And when he does, we need to act upon it. So I think that's what we can learn from the shepherds. But what is the, the, the title of this series is He Came Down. So what, what, do you, what can we learn about God? What can we learn about Jesus from this passage? We've learned a bit from the shepherds. But I just think there's three things that we can learn from, about the character of God and from this story um, that, we can, that, we can, that maybe isn't obvious to us. But the first point is that he came down to the marginalized. You know, he, God came down to sinners such as the shepherds, to the underprivileged, to the people with no names, to the people at the bottom of the ladder. He didn't come down as a celebrity. He didn't demand celebrity status. He came down in a nappy in a shed, which is pretty demeaning. So if you think about that story of the nativity, and then know you can't like, con- uh, compare that to where, what you think of God, and it doesn't stack up. Because when the Messiah came into the world, all he got was some dirty shepherds, a couple of animals, and some teenage parents. And that's why I think, why didn't he come down? Why wasn't the message given to the people in authority? Why, wasn't, why didn't the angel appear to King Herod? Why didn't the angel appear to the rabbis? And the high priest. Why didn't the angel appear to people that could have influence, that actually uh, could do something with the message, the message of Jesus? And I think it's because he wa- God wants us to know that He came for everyone. He wants us to know that the people at the bottom of the ladder, He's here for. So God came down to the marginalized. The second point is that God came down and he came down vulnerable. He was wrapped in common cloths. He was a frail and weak as a baby. And at that point, you know, he could have been snuffed out. If you think about it as, as 2,000 years ago, a baby being born is a risky thing anyway. A baby being born in a manger, in a stable, surrounded by all the, uh, all the muck connected to farm animals, with a price on his head from King Herod. Just think about how frail and fragile that scene is. That's not, you know, God could have come down with a heavenly host of angels on a chariot, and appeared to the most powerful person in the land right at that time and said, I was God, but he didn't. He came down as a frail, as a weak baby 
and he came down vulnerable in order to tell us that we're not washed up, that we're not done, that we're not rejects or we're not finished. He wanted to tell us that he's here for us. And I think if you think about how precious a little baby is when they're first born and God squeezed all his majestic holiness into that one little baby... It's just, a, it's a huge risk. But he did it for us. The risk, the risk is ours because he thought we're precious enough, that we're all precious enough for him to invest his life into this little baby. So God came down for those who are marginalized. He came down and he was vulnerable. And he came down to rescue. The third point. He was close, close enough for Mary and Joseph to hold them, for God to be to hold to hold Jesus in their arms, close enough for the shepherds to come and see him in the flesh. Jesus was here to demonstrate that God was with us. So this bit tells me that God won't refuse you. God came for you. God will not refuse you if you place your trust in Him. Regardless of where you've been or what you've done or the place you think you're, you, you might be right now, God wants you to know that he came down for you. He came down to rescue you. And he wants you to know that through Jesus, Jesus has brought salvation. And he has come to free people from their sin. Now just to link back to the story at the top of the message where... I said we were talking about Santa and whether you're on his naughty list or on his nice list. And one of the things that I think we tell our kids is that, or not just tell the kids, it's the, it's the message of this world that if you're good, that you'll be rewarded. And if you're not good, too bad. You won't get anything. Only the righteous people deserve a gift. And that's the thing, in every world religion other than Christianity, that's the message. If you deserve God's love, then he might give you a blessing. But that's not the message of Christianity. Everything about Jesus, his birth, his life, his death, the resurrection, completely defy that concept. Jesus didn't come to show God's love to those who deserved it. He came to show God's love to no, to no one else, to those who no one else wanted around. And I think for me, that's the difference between the message of this world at Christmas and the message of God at Christmas, is the message of this world is, Santa's coming, you better be good. And the message of God this Christmas is, Jesus is here. Be free. So let's just pray before we go back into time of worship. Father, we just thank you um, that you, you love us so much that you, you took on flesh, that you came down 
not just for certain people, Lord, but you came down for everyone. Everyone on, who's on the edge of society, the people that need you most, Father, you, you came down to show them love. And you came down vulnerable when you didn't need to. You came down to show your love and your power when what would be considered be a weakness but actually shows your biggest strength. So, Father, we just thank you that you love us. I thank you that you, um, that you have a plan and that you have a purpose for us. I thank you most of all, Father, that you came down at this, this time of year to rescue us. And I just pray that you, we will remind, be reminded of the awe. The awe that you have, that just, just, to, just to spend time in your presence, Father. I just pray like, right now that you will speak to us in terms of where you want us to be. The message that you have for us, Father, if it's, if it's an, a message that you want us to act upon, Father, we just pray that you will... Uh, you will nudge us and guide us in that direction. But Father, we just thank you for this, for your son Jesus. We just thank you for everything that he did. Thank you that he's taught us the way, the best way to live. I thank you that he has taught us, he set the greatest example. So Father, we just pray right now that you will... Um, you remind us of the, the real reason for Christmas, Father. And we can enjoy spending time with our family, that we can enjoy exchanging presents or in, even enjoy some rest, Father. But in this period, I pray that we, we encounter you in a, in a different way, in a new way, in a more powerful way, Father. That when we go back to work or school or college in January, Father, that we don't, you know, it's, we don't just go back to our new routine. We go back with a new power and a new purpose and a new mission, Father. We just pray this in your name. Amen.